Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And the betrothed woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. And I love that God puts in a clause for, he gives her the benefit of the doubt. Because if she's out in the countryside, nobody can hear her scream. There's no one to save her. Notice the grace and the benefit of the doubt given to her by God. See, God is just. He's just. Verse 28, if a man finds a young woman who is a virgin, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out, then the man who lay with her shall give to the young man's father, the young woman's father, excuse me, 50 shekels of silver. Welcome to our Bible study for today. Pastor Rob will conclude chapter 22 in the book of Deuteronomy today. We have been learning God's laws on sexual immorality, and today we see how they were designed to show His holiness, righteousness, and how He is a just God. These laws on sexual morality are also a protection for women that were victimized by lustful acts of men. The Lord, being all-wise in His care for us, will always strike a perfect balance when it comes to His enforcement of His laws. If you have your Bible handy, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 22, and let's follow along with Pastor Rob. Short excerpt from it. He says, Some years ago, my wife, Ruth, Ruth uh, Graham, was reading the draft of a book I was writing. When she finished a section describing the terrible downward spiral of our nation's moral standards and the idolatry of worshiping false gods such as technology and sex, she startled me by exclaiming, and I quote, If God doesn't punish America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Ruth Graham said that, and it's true. Verse 23. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, you shall put away evil from among you. Again, these are examples, and they're meant to startle us. They're meant to promote fear into us that we don't do those things. And I respond really well to fear. I respond really well to pain. (laughs) I respond really well to pain. But I want you to underline something in verse 23. Underline the word betrothed, and then in verse 24 toward the end, underline neighbor's wife. Because the word betrothed is a Hebrew word which means eras. And it means to engage for matrimony. When, when, when you're in, a betrothed to someone in the, in the Hebrew culture, it is like the, the arrangement has been made. A lot of these times the fathers of the two parties would make this arrangement while the kids are still kids. They would make the arrangement. That, you know, our son and our, your daughter are going to get married. And they both make an agreement. They clap hands and, and it's a done deal. 
And then there comes a time when they're the betrothed, and it's a year, a year period, where they, their purity is tested when they get old enough to marry. And it's a year-long period. And it's binding. It's legally binding. They are literally husband and wife, but they have not consummated the relationship. That comes when the, the groom goes to the bride's house, and he retrieves her and brings her, her back to his father's house. That is where the marriage is consummated, but not until then. And that's what betrothal means, and that's why it's so startling to see in verse 24 about his neighbor's wife. They're just betrothed. But in that culture, it is legally binding. For a year, they they go through this process. In Matthew chapter 1, why don't you go ahead and turn there. And this you know very well. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. You recall that it was concerning the birth of Jesus, and Mary and Joseph were in this betrothal period. And this is when things went south. (laughs) Because here they are in this year of betrothal, and they have a decision to make. Are we going to stay pure? Because believe me, it's very natural for when a husband and a wife, when they are engaged, it's very difficult because God is doing a pro- it's a process. It's very normal and natural, you know, to look at each other with those starry eyes and, you know, your heart beats a little bit faster when you see just the glimpse of him or her, you know, and it's very good and it's sweet and it's wonderful. It's supposed to be that way. But notice what happened in verse 18. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, they hadn't consummated the relationship, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Underline that prepositional phrase, (laughs) of the Holy Spirit, because that makes all the difference in the world. And now Joseph's got a real problem. He knows what we just read in Deuteronomy. She should be stoned. She's played the harlot. But Joseph loved her. I think in his heart of hearts, he knew that she was a pure, innocent virgin of Israel. And of course she was. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her, notice, it's already conceived in her. Life happens at conception, folks. (laughs) That thing conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Jehovah Shua, Joshua, God's salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, and this is in Isaiah 7, verse 14, Behold the virgin, the virgin, a specific virgin, Mary the virgin, The virgin, the virgin, shall be with child and bear a son, capital S, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and he did not know her. That's a King James way of saying he didn't have intimacy with her. Until, until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And we know that the Bible gives the, the names of the other brothers and sisters that Mary and Joseph had. There were at least four other brothers, uh, three, other, uh, three other brothers, and uh, at least two sisters. 
There's three or four different places in the Bible where their names are given to us. He did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and, she, and the, he called his name Jesus. And so this awful stigma that Mary and, and Joseph carried around for their whole life. Think of it, Mary. You know, sometimes I think the Lord is this checks and balances thing. You know, he's gonna, she's going to be exalted because of her, her status as a, uh, the mother of God, in a sense. right? But Jesus said, don't worship her. You worship me. The very last words that Mary said in the Bible, whatever he says, do it. That's it. It's the last word she said. But think of the awful stigma that she had to live with for the rest of her life. And even though Mary was betrothed to Joseph, they were not to consummate until their legal wedding day. But their betrothal to one another was legally binding. But she was already pregnant with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. The seed of the woman. Shouldn't it be the egg of the woman? There's something in that, right? The seed of the woman. It's very specific. The seed comes from the man. The egg is from the woman. But the seed came from the Spirit of God. It goes all the way back to Genesis three fifteen. The seed of the woman. But verse 25, But if a man finds a betrothed young woman, like Mary, in the countryside, and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall, be, shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman, because, there, uh, because the young woman, there's no sin deserving of death. For just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so in this manner. For he found her in the countryside, and the betrothed woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. And I love that God puts in a clause for, he gives her the benefit of the doubt. Because if she's out in the countryside, nobody can hear her scream. There's no one to save her. Notice the grace and the benefit of the doubt given to her by God. See, God is just. He's just. Verse 28, if a man finds a young woman who is a virgin, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out, then the man who lay with her shall give to the young man's father, the young woman's father, excuse me, 50 shekels of silver. And she shall be his wife because he has humbled her, and he shall not be permitted. Notice, this is his, because he forced her, he's not allowed to ever divorce her. It's not going to be permitted. But notice 50 shekels of silver. They say 50 shekels of silver was the bride price. There is a, in, in this uh, culture, there's a bride price and then there's a dowry. And a dowry, we understand, a dowry is something that a woman brings to, it could be uh, an art, uh, a sum of money, it could be an article, uh, something, uh, a family heirloom, it could be property, it could be something like that that she brings into the relationship. But a bride price is something that the bride's father would pay or the, 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 I'm sorry, the groom. The groom would pay to the bride and her family. And so, notice 50 shekels of silver. But notice when we look back at verse 19, what the situation was when the, evident, when the man makes a false claim that the, the woman he married is not a virgin, when indeed she is. He makes a false accusation. It says that they shall fine him 100 shekels of silver, double the bride price. <laughs> and again, the idea is to keep this from happening. God takes it seriously when two become one flesh, and so should we. And that's why it's important for us to pass this on to our children and instill with them 
within them a healthy respect for sexual purity and marriage. See what a really wonderful marriage is. You know, so many kids don't have the opportunity of having a, a mom and dad together. You know, I grew up in a broken home, and most people have. There's far few children who grew up in a home where they had a loving father and a mother who loved each other, and they saw the mother and the father loving each other. They saw when, when, they, when, the, mother, the, when the father came home from work and the mother would hug him and kiss him. They would see those displays of affection, and, and, and it would bring joy to the heart of the child, knowing that my parents love each other. They really love each other, and I'm here, and they love me. What a great, secure environment. And hasn't the devil just wrecked it? And hasn't our flesh just given it over? Because we don't listen. We don't listen. Jesus said that, you know, the Bible tells us to crucify those old members in our flesh. So important in these days to crucify those members in our flesh. Adultery, fornication, every evil, wicked thing. And that list is long, and they're ugly. It's an ugly list. And a man shall not take his father's wife, nor uncover his father's bed. It seems kind of out of place in a way, this last verse. It seems like a, like a postscript to, a, uh, to the, the narrative here. But more than likely, this was concerning a stepmother after the father had died, or perhaps while the father yet lived, there'd be a son who would take his father's wife, maybe his mother-in-law, In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 8, it says, The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. So whether your father passed away or whether he was still alive, you're not supposed to be lying with your mother-in-law. Or, God forbid, your mother. That's just twisted and sick. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11, it says the same thing. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them needs to be shared. The truth needs to be shared. We can't shy away from this stuff. And the reason why it shocks us so much right now is because we watch too much television. The reason why it shocks us so much is because we've been inundated and we've allowed the worldview of the world to seep into our minds and our hearts and even into the church. The reason why it sounds so difficult because we've been inundated through television, through movies, through sitcoms, through music. All of that is tearing away the very things that we're reading right now, and it's shocking to us. But there it is in the Word of God. We've come across it. We don't pick and choose. We read through the Word of God. We read through it. It's what we are supposed to do. When you pick up a book, you read it from cover to cover. You don't pick and choose what you want. The Bible is meant to be read from beginning to end, and then when you're done, you go back again, and you go back again, and you go back again, and you read it, and you read it more than anything else. Let it be your daily diet, the thing that you love more than anything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Paul says to Corinthian, uh, the Corinthians, this, very, this church that was very immoral, he said, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles. In fact, you guys are so bad that I don't even hear about this stuff in the Gentile world. And here it is, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned. Instead of mourning, they've, they've actually kind of see it as something that's a badge of honor, maybe. 
You've not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in the spirit, I've already judged as as if I were present. Him who has done this, this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. When this kind of thing happens, and it, we're made aware of it, Paul says, talk to them. And if they're not going to turn from it, evidently this has been going on for some time, and they, the church did nothing about it. And that's why even in our fellowship, you know, if we, you know things like this happen, we don't, we're not even aware, but when we do hear about stuff, we have to talk to them. Why? Is it because we want to kick them out? No. We want you to stay. <laughs> we want you to stay and hear and be healed, and have your life be a blessing, for your life to be a blessing to your kids. We want it to be a blessing to you. And the only way you can be truly blessed is to be lovingly told the truth and given an opportunity to turn from that thing, whatever it is. Choose life rather than death. Isn't that what God says? He says, choose life. Choose life. We see this law being broken, and we'll just use this example, and then we'll, we'll pray and be done here. The very firstborn of Jacob was Reuben. Reuben was born to Leah. The one that, the wife of the two, Rachel and Leah, he loved Rachel more, but for some reason God just stopped up her womb. But Leah, boy, she just had a huge litter. (laughs) She had a lot of kids. First one was Reuben. And it says that after all those, and, and not only Leah had several children, but her, her concubine, uh, or her, um, her handmaid, Bilhah, she gave birth to Dan and Naphtali. And we know that uh, Rachel had gave birth to two, to Joseph and to Benjamin. Thank you, my brain just went south there. But after Benjamin was born and Sarah had, uh, or I'm sorry, Rachel had, uh, had died, it says in verse Genesis 35, verse 21, it says, Then Israel journeyed after this, after he buried Rachel. He pitched his tent toward the tower of Eder. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, his firstborn, his mom is dead, all, the, all of his brothers are older than him, he's the youngest. I'm sorry, he's the, he's the oldest, I'm sorry, he's the oldest. All the brothers have been born by now. His mother passes away. When Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went in and he lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it, but he didn't seem to do anything about it. It was a sin for, for him to do this. We, we just read in the scripture where this was forbidden, even his concubine. It was, it was like a wife to him. In fact, in Genesis 49, you remember when Jacob was dying, he was blessing his 12 sons. And when he came to Reuben, he said this. He said, Reuben, you are my firstborn just moments before he would pass from the scene. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellence of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. And so, you know, even at the very end, he finally brings it up. You know, but again, you know, through that time we hear of nothing being done about it. So, as we look at this chapter, it, it, it seems like a mirror, doesn't it? 
It seems like a mirror of perhaps family members, uh, certainly our culture. And, and I would encourage you, you know, God is a God of forgiveness. You know, he's never going to continually hold a sin over your head. That's why it's so important that when, as we read a difficult passage like this tonight, you know, every one of us is guilty in some way uh, to some of these things. If not, if not physically, in our mind, perhaps. And it's important that we share this. And as hard as it is, we need to teach our young people when it becomes appropriate. We need to share with them the truth of these things. Because if they don't hear it from us, they are not going to hear it anywhere else on the planet. They will not hear it anywhere else but at home or in the church. And why is it there to begin with? It's there because God loves you and he loves me. He loves people. He knows what's good. He knows what's right. He wants your life. He wants your marriages. He wants your families to be a blessing. And when we allow these kind of things in, and, and every our whole culture, families are so inundated by so many of these things. What is the result? It's pain. It's heartache. It's guilt. Children grow up without a dad. Young girls grow up without a mom. Everything just goes south. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, we can be delivered from these things and we can be forgiven. And never forget that. There is no sin that you could ever commit. But every sin can be forgiven a man. And so let's be quick to to confess those things and to walk in purity and to walk in holiness and to allow God to do something new in your heart. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. And, and Lord, we pray for each one of us, Lord, that we'd be resolved in our hearts, Lord, to, um, to read your word often, Lord. Lord, there's many things, I'll, I'll confess that there's many things that I don't understand completely, Lord, and it's going to take a, a lifetime to really come to terms with those things. But Lord, I'm so thankful that you've given us a mind and a heart, and you've shown us the things to come. Lord, you've shown us the, the difference between uh, a walk in truth and a walk in um, the world, a walk in darkness. And Lord, as your children tonight, we cry out to you, Lord, change us. Change our hearts, Lord. And, and minister to us in the very deep recesses of our mind and, and clean us, Lord, from all these things. And may we rejoice in your presence, Lord, knowing that in your presence is fullness of joy and that we can delight to be in your presence. Lord, you are the great king of all creation. Lord, how we look forward to seeing you face to face. We long to see you and to hear you say, come up here. And for us to be changed in the twinkling of an eye and our bodies changed and caught up together to meet with you, to be with you forever. And we will be with you forever and ever and ever, and it will never, ever end. It'll never end, Father, and we're so thankful for that. Thank you for tonight, Lord. I pray you bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. Bless their families, bless their spouses, Lord. Bless their families, their kids, their grandkids. Every single one of them, Father, would you please pour out your spirit on them and on us. Lord, make us people. Make us people of God. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.